what I always encourage my clients when I'm, I'm roasting is to teach them what I call a safe roast. And a safe roast is where you learn on your machine where most coffees will taste good. From Mumble Coffee, this is Coffee 101, a show about coffee. I'm Kenneth Thomas, and every week, my coffee friends and I are bringing you the best coffee education you can find out there in the coffee verse. Coffee 101 is designed for you to listen starting with episode one and build your coffee knowledge from there. Make sure and follow. You'll be the first to know when a new episode drops, which, spoiler alert, It's every Wednesday, every Wednesday morning, a new episode drops, just like a drop of coffee from a pour over. On the show today, I am talking with Mark Michelson. Mark is a good coffee friend of mine, and he is a fellow roaster. He was the 2017 U.S. Coffee Roasting Champion and went on to compete in the world competition. He now has a coffee consulting firm, Michelson Consulting. We will put a link in the show notes. You can head over there if you are interested in coffee roasting whatsoever. It would be a great place for you to start. He's a fantastic guy, and you're going to love him. And he was the head roaster at Onyx Coffee Lab from 2012 to 2021, so basically, from about when they started um, until just recently, he was their main coffee roaster. He's a leader in the coffee roasting field, and uh, he's somebody that I'm excited to have on today. But before I get to him, I have Katie in the studio with me today. Hi, guys. So we had Eric Stone. Who yes. is not related to Emma Stone. On, oh, I forgot about that. Oh, yeah. So, no no relation uh, last week. And this week, this is going to be... Mike, Mike, no. Mark. Mark Michelson. Mark Michelson. I love the names that we have on the podcast. Yeah. I've mentioned this before, but, like, we've never just had, like, a basic name. Like Kenneth Thomas. Or Katie Thomas. Yeah. I feel like Thomas like is, like, people. kind of a doorstop. A doorstop. Well, like, I don't what does know. What that even mean? It's just kind of, it's an odd word. With Thomas? the O in it, Thomas. Okay. it's just kind of like, so like if, So if you had Thomas. to pick an alternate name for a doorstop. Okay, I do appreciate my last name. I'm not saying I want to change it. I'm just saying. Okay. What if it is I a pretty like common a, name. It's not like Michelson. Yeah. And I, I had to like, ask him. It's not like if you were like. A duke or duchess of something yeah. in England in like the 1920s, you wouldn't say Katie Thomas, the Duke of whatever. Like I feel like you the need the last. Oh yeah, the Duchess. <laughs> I feel like you like Duchess Thomas. Yeah, just I feel like it ring. would be like Duchess Montgomery or something like that. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's too that's plain. What, that's what I mean. We're plain. We have a we have a basic last name. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Yeah, that's what we bring to coffee. Is we yeah. bring we bring a basic approach i'm not well okay i am basic sometimes yeah we bring a basic approach so that people can appreciate and feel like they can ask questions and all that kind of stuff um i bring flair to my last name yes you do 
in more ways than one. Yes, thank you. And we're going to go ahead and jump right into my interview with Mark Michelson. Mark Michelson, great to have you on the show today. How are you, sir? I'm doing extremely well. I'm drinking a Ethiopian coffee from one of my clients, and they're doing a really stellar job at actually making the the cup taste really good. Awesome. Well, if you don't mind, tell us tell us who the client is, or or um... oh, it, it's uh, called Generous Coffee, I yeah. believe. What happened was they sent me some coffees to taste, and uh, before and I. It was part of my consulting that I would have them send me their coffees and then I would cup them at home and then I would also give them feedback on the coffee. And so it was really cool to see like just the level of effectiveness once they got their confidence together that they actually knew somewhat of what they were doing. And so it, it made it to where it's like a proud papa moment, if you will. Yeah. I have four kids and whenever I can be proud of them. It's just really cool. And I view that that success as, as something of that nature. Well, and um, I know now you are more into uh, coffee roasting consulting um, and have uh, many clients. And then for those who don't know, before that, uh, you were um, head roaster uh, with Onyx Coffee Lab, and uh, you also now work with uh, San Fran, um, uh, the roasters there um, off of the West Coast. And yeah. uh, uh, so with all of that background, what I wanted to do in today's show was really kind of talk with you and you and I kind of pitch back and forth on things that roasters can do that impact ultimately the cup of coffee because our one-on-oneers out there they are this far into the podcast because they're curious about coffee they love coffee and we know there are several different things that can impact the cup and so today i thought you know who would be one of the best people if not the best person to kind of get sage wisdom on um, how things can affect the cup in the roasting process. And so I thought of yeah. you, so I'm glad to have you on today. Yeah, I'm really excited. It's, it's definitely been a journey going from Onyx to doing my own thing and to now working for San Fran. It's been an interesting 10 years. Um, never thought I would travel the world, especially for coffee. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a crazy idea that it's i told people it's like being the best gardener in the in the world only a few people know who you are but the people that know who you are really make a big deal of you <laughs> yes yes that's right the uh the people the one on ers at home uh or in their commute to work right now they can't see but you have that classic uh red beard you've actually kind of uh you've trimmed it up a little bit yeah, I, I did. Um, I recently had another child. Yeah. His name is Max, and he was just pulling it out when it was longer. Uh, and so now I, I've gotten it to where it's just a little bit to where he can grab it, and he's starting at it again. So I'm thinking about trimming it more again. Awesome. Well, cool. Well, let's talk about let's talk about roasting. So I'm just going to let you start, and we're going to see where it goes. And um, uh, 
we're going to ultimately figure out what things in the roasting process affect everybody's coffee cup and how it tastes. Yeah. Yeah. So when I get a coffee, I typically am looking at a variety of types of references like the where it was grown really helps the density of the coffee really helps water activity somewhat um i haven't really dealt with water activity as much as i've just had the moisture reader Mm -hmm. uh, which is really good at at onyx we actually every bag we switched we uh we calibrated it and made sure that the coffee was within the same moisture range Mm. because sometimes in a big 10 bags of coffee, you could have varying moisture ranges that can actually get off to where, because we look for nine to 12%, but some of them were like an eight or a seven. Yeah. And so it was just interesting that you would, you would see that. And so again, we always took measurements to make sure that we were within the same consistency that way that we knew the coffee would be roasted correctly. Uh, and so we went into it looking at the, where it's from, its density, its moisture, and really from there, just kind of roasted the coffee to a way that we knew that it would be cupable. Mm-hmm. So like doing, so what I always encourage my clients when I'm, I'm roasting is to teach them what I call a safe roast. Okay. And a safe roast is where you learn on your machine where most coffees will taste good. They won't necessarily be where you want them to be, but they'll be passable and you'll be able to like take what you get from the roaster on and realize that, yeah, that actually makes more sense. And so it, it becomes uh, pretty easier to do it that way. Gotcha. Um, and so, you know, you were talking about uh, moisture content and it does it does have an effect in the roasting process. And if we say anywhere from, we'll say a 12%, versus something that's got worst case we'll say eight or seven percent um the bean is going to react differently um and and you're going to have like for example the one that's got less moisture um pie in the sky generalized look we'll say is going to roast faster all things all things equal um and another way that i've i've heard somebody else put it is and we can talk about the progress in the roasting profile itself but that as that water continues to go out the things that you do have more the the things the things being like changing the gas changing the flow rate of the air changing the drum speed things like that um can have more of an effect on the bean the the drier we'll say the drier that that bean gets yeah, and a, and a safe thing to do when your coffee, you'll you'll notice this, when your coffee starts to age and it starts to taste like wood, because it will, it just, it's, it's kind of like the, the same, like if, like at Onyx, we only purchased coffees that were 86 points and above. Mm-hmm. And so that was even for our blenders. And f- so that we were making sure that we had like a certain standard by which that we were roasting. And so when coffee comes in at say 87, 88, three months down the road, it's going to be an 84. Yeah. It's just going to just because it's living its life and it's aging. And as it ages, it's going to lose some points. And you as the roaster, if something is getting aged out, we typically suggest that people roast it a little bit darker to try to 
uh, hide that uh, inconsistency with the wood taste or when it starts just fading. Mm, I got you. Okay. Well, let's talk about um, acidity in the cup. And and, and we're talking about, and for our one-on-oneers out there, they're going to be drinking anything from a light roast, which, of course, you and I would prefer, all the way to um, fairly dark roasts. And as we roast through the process going from a light roast to a dark roast how does that affect the acidity um acidity basically for simplicity i'm going to say is kind of like the fruitiness uh or the citrusiness in the in the cup so yeah the longer you develop typically the more acids you kill the perceived acids to a certain point to where it coffee is going to be very round and it's going to be getting towards second crack Mm -hmm. uh, if you don't watch it. Um, And so it is definitely something that happens within coffee, but we need to make sure that like when we're doing that to do it the right way. Yes. And the uh, second crack is in coffee. When we're looking at the actual roasting, there is a first crack, which is a sound, an audible sound um, that uh, the roaster can hear and uh, gives us a point on the graph uh, that we can measure things before and after by. And then same thing with second crack. Second crack being something that you're going to hear closer to, depending on um, how you define medium and dark roast. Um, so that's when Mark is talking about second crack. That's that's what he's talking about there. And like he said, the acidity tends to mellow out and if you think about it, this makes sense. If any of y'all have ever had a, a super light roast, it's going to taste like, uh, I, I'm going to call it fruity or like citrusy, um, whereas a dark roast doesn't taste like that, um, and that's that's acidity. Let's talk about sweetness. How does sweetness go? Now, sweetness is something that I always harped on when I was at Onyx and uh, something that I harp on with my clients, too is because the problem is most people that are new to coffee really love that's that that acidic type of flavor right that kenyan that just pops off the table that tastes like apricots and stewed tomatoes and you know you just got this good just i always look at a good kenyan from a tomato basil uh tasting notes uh because it just has that so well in it and so with that it's definitely uh something that we we did and we made sure that we did it. And so as far as uh, sweetness goes, uh, we always try to make the cup round. And what I mean by round is not only is it acidic, it has a nice brightness to it, but it also has a round sweetness to it, like a uh, what they would call a Southern sweet tea. Gotcha. Um, and we always try to do that. And a lot of what we discovered, especially on our Diedrich roaster, because every roaster is a bit different. Um, we noticed that if we uh, developed, because so the this is a, a deeper subject that we're already getting into, but when you're <laughs> roasting, ahead. yeah, when you're roasting and you're trying to extend certain phases of the roast. Mm-hmm. So for your audience, there there's like the easiest thing to think about is there's turnaround, there's drying, there's yellowing, then the mired reaction, and then first crack, post-development, and then second crack, post-development. 
And so it, those are the stages that the vernacular that we use within the coffee world to kind of explain these stages. And so we we know that the Mard reaction doesn't stop at first crack. It continues. Correct. And so having enough development in the coffee for the coffee's sake, I always tell people when they buy a coffee, if they're buying it green and they're buying it from an importer, the importer is going to put on the fanciest notes that they can because at the end of the day, they're trying to sell coffee, right? which makes sense. You shouldn't, as a roaster, then take that and think that you're going to get better tasting notes than what they already put on the back. Yeah, that's very true. Right? And so that gets you like you're, you know, like if you want a sweet cup of coffee, that no matter what in this coffee, say it's Ethiopian washed and it's going to have more of that Earl Grey type, that kind of smaller body, but it needs to have some of that sweetness too. So you extend the development a little bit, but you do it in order to balance out the acidity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and um, that development time, which what Mark is talking about is that time after what we are calling as roasters first crack um, in your lighter roasted coffees um, really does make a difference and is something that um, we we spend a lot of time and thinking about and theorizing about as far as we even look at the percentage of the roast and we look at the total time and we look at the total temperature change over that. And um, all of that stuff can make a difference. And, uh, Mark, another question I had for you was with with body. You know, over the course of a roast from a light to a, to a dark, um, how, how do we see body play out? And, and what is body? Uh, body is that perception that's on your that's on your tongue at the end. It's also the aftertaste in a lot of ways. Uh, you could think of it like that. And so body is interesting. Most people think that the longer they roast, the more body it has. Mm -hmm. What it has is it has a perception that is really dark and it's very um, syrupy, but that doesn't mean it's body. Um, And so what I show people to do if they want to test out a dark roast versus a medium roast, if we're going by dark or medium, to hold their nose when they're cupping it Uh and – and to just pay attention to the physical physicality on their on their tongue to see if it's actually really like has the body that you think it does. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you you figure out the longer you roast, the more solubility you have, and which means the more you can extract from the bean easier mm-hmm. than you can on a lighter roast. And so it makes it to where you are looking for body. But certain coffees are just never going to have the amount of body right. that you desire. Like some Ethi- Ethiopians washed are really a great example of you're going to have a tea-like body. Yeah, straight it just, up. It just, it just is what it is. And so you're trying, again, when you're getting the coffee, you're trying to make sure that you're actually knowing what the coffee is known for in the past. Yeah, and I think, you know, and you could even compare that, say, to – Sumatra um, or something like that as far as like um, body. It's just going to be totally different if you had those two cups, um, you know, with the same roast profile, you know, give or take beside each other. We'll be back in a second with my interview with Mark Michelson. 
Humble Coffee sources only the best specialty coffee produced around the world and is consistently ranked one of the best specialty coffee roasters in the U.S. You don't settle in your intentional pursuit of your passion-based goals. Don't settle on the coffee that gets you there. Humble Coffee, only the best for the best. Look in the show notes for the link or go to humblecoffee.com. Now let's get back to my interview with Mark Michelson. Let's talk about time, time in the roast. You know, we um, there's two two main um, roasters or ra- ways that things can be roasted. One's an uh, air roaster and one's a drum roaster. And inherently, um, they can have a significant difference in, in time. Um, but not necessarily as far as their overall roast time. Um, so I'm curious as to how time affects or has the potential to affect our cup. Oh, so interestingly, I, when I'm, when I'm getting a new client and we're dialing in a coffee, I have this, this rule that I, that I call the three to five minute rule. So I say three to five minutes and drying, that's where it should be without burning the coffee. Three to five minutes is plenty of time. Unless you're on a Diedrich type machine, and then you might be in the six minutes, and yeah. that's just because the machine just roasts and a softer heat, and it just is more gentle on the coffee, and so you might get the six minutes on that. Mm-hmm. But typically, atmospheric burning roasters, Probot, San Franciscans, all of these, three to five minutes in the first phase, three to five minutes in the second phase, and then a minute and a half to two minutes of development after first crack. And right. so, and the, that second long, phase that you're talking about is in between that color change and yeah. the first crack. So, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. And so you're doing that. So the longest profile you will ever do is 12 minutes. Mm-hmm. That's with everything at five. But you could also finish by eight minutes. And like on a Loring, I don't know if you've ever roasted on them. They they roast really quick. Okay. And so it's not uncommon to finish a batch in eight and a half nine minutes. Yeah. Uh, on a, on a lorry and they, they do really well for the amount of power they have. Yeah. You know, and, and one thing that, um, I, I feel like I've found and maybe I'm wrong is, um, each bean or each batch, not batch, each, um, season, um, origin processing method, all that stuff, all that stuff factors in to, it does, it does make a difference in like, for example, there might be, I feel like there might be some beans that uh, do really well and shine at an overall, we'll say, 10 and a half minute roast time. And then there are some that you can go 12 uh, and you're not only not going to mess them up, but they're going to taste even better. Yeah. What about um, heat transfer methods? Uh, and when we're talking about that, we're talking about convection, conduction, and radiation. Um, I don't know that, I guess off the top of my head, I'd say, well, what would you say as far as if there's any specific um, way that they make a difference in ultimately in the cup? And I can kind of add to it. Yeah. So interestingly, I just, I had a person that did my method, the three to five minutes, three to five minutes. And then I have a methodology with airflow too, depending on the machine. Um, on San Fran's, 
uh, I keep it closed at the beginning for mm -hmm. the most part so that I can let, I want conduction to do most of the heavy lifting at first. I want the, the thermal conductivity, the energy to be absorbed by the beans without it actually burning, burning the coffee. And so we tried, uh, and then once it starts building up back pressure, when you open the trier, you could see it starting to build back pressure. You open it up slightly to about a quarter or halfway. And then as you hit first crack, I always like to open up the air all the way so that like, if there's any smoke or anything, cause coffee at that moment is very susceptible because it's smoking so much to give mm -hmm. a kind of a charred taste if you don't get the air out of there. And so when that person did that type of roast profile, they first did a roast profile with the air totally 100% the whole time. Mm -hmm. And they just left it there, which they, and then they tried the method that I actually said to them and they found that they got more complexity in the cup. It was a deeper, more round experience than the, just the full on air at the beginning. So how, how long, um, and I think you kind of said this, but how long are you keeping that air off versus starting to ramp it up? Uh, it's typically, um, I I'm keeping it on, on a, on a Minimal San Fran. Level. Yeah. Okay, on, on, on the San Fran, it's going to be a little bit differently so that I'm going to go in with slightly more power mm -hmm. if you want and do a lot lower t charge temperature okay. i notice on on the machine it, it it really does well when you do that i gotcha um when mark is talking about conduction versus um airflow or convection with conduction your heat transfer is going to be less and so the way i think about it is like one stone sitting beside another one heating it um, versus um, like literally touching it and heating it versus a stone in a uh, creek and water's flowing around it um, and that yeah. heat transfer and that's conduction versus convection um, respectively and so really kind of what I'm I'm hearing Mark you say is is the you're going kind of low and slow um, with that heat transfer and then as that bean we'll say quote warms up um you know then you're bringing in some of that some of those other ways yeah and so you could think of it like this my first airflow adjustment is typically somewhere after boiling point yep. so 212 degrees is the boiling point to where we know with with that's actually starting to decrease the amount of a or enough it's releasing enough of the moisture during that level. And yeah. so we always did that just to make sure that the, the, so the biggest thing on the first phase, the only thing you could mess up is basically burning the coffee mm -hmm. because as, as, as is known, there is no chemical reactions occurring in the first phase of roasting other than drying the coffee bean. Right. And so by going a little bit slower, you allow that conduction to build and then you slightly add more convection more convection as you go and as you see the machine like getting dirtier inside you'll definitely want to like keep pushing it up uh that way that you get all those things out of your roasting chamber gotcha well that was a fascinating talk on ways that a uh, roaster or the things that impact the actual roasting of the bean make a difference in the ultimate cup uh which is what we're trying to do is make a great 
cup of coffee so that everybody loves coffee. But I want to shift gears now and uh, ask you a couple of random things that have been on my mind um, and just see what your thoughts are. One is, do you feel like there is really out there in the coffee industry any standards for what is considered a light roast, a medium roast, or a dark roast coffee? And if there's not, um, any thoughts on how that could happen? Um, The only objective measurement that we can use is an Actron, which is a, it's a color spectrum. Mm-hmm. And so you that is one of the only ways to be able to really tell uh, where you're at and as far as uh, the different levels of um, of light versus medium versus dark, in our industry, uh, I think Onyx did it really well when they put modern or traditional. Yeah, uh, because that actually allows people to like if they say it's more traditional, it's more of the chocolates, the right. nutty, the easier drinking. And when you go into the modern, you get some of those brighter fl- flavors that. You may not want to drink more than one cup of, but you enjoy that cup immensely uh, for what it is. And so I think as the industry, we say that something's medium without actually color matching it mm-hmm. and saying like, hey, this is a true action on this, which is a medium plus or a medium minus. And so we just don't as an industry, not everyone uses it. Uh, the bigger people do. Uh, the intelligentsias of the world, the onyxes of the world. Uh, they do it because they know that consistency is a key. And by keeping you in the same color spectrum, you're keeping it very consistent. Yeah, uh, I agree. I I feel like there, there is, and and I think this is super important for our 101ers out there. I, I don't think there is consistency in when they go to the grocery store or when they're, in their favorite coffee shop, um, what I would call a light, medium, or dark, or what we may end up calling in the industry a traditional versus a modern, or or we don't know. Um, I do think, and I agree with you wholeheartedly, that probably a Agtron range um, would probably be the best way to do that because you and I know that, like, for example, a light or a blonde roast at Starbucks is different than a light roast at Onyx or at Humble Coffee or even Intelligentsia. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I just, I don't know. This is my personal opinion. I just, I would love to see that predictability so that people know, like, what they're getting into, no matter how they, that nomenclature is. Um, but anyway, that's just my thoughts. Yeah, and the way that I look at it as far as looking at the coffee itself, like, I know from experience like that certain coffees are going to be uh in certain ranges right and so like we look at like a mexican coffee from chiapas Uh we're not looking for crazy acidity there we're looking for nutty peanuts walnuts chocolate syrupy body type of thing and so i always know like if i'm going to get a kenyan coffee or whatever coffee i'm going to get i want to I will roast it accordingly to where I know that it's going to best represent that coffee itself. Right. And so if it means that it's a little bit more medium or whatever we call, or just easily just say just more darker yeah. than previous. Modaka. Uh, 
Yeah, go a little bit darker. And and when you do, it definitely like Central South American coffee shouldn't be roasted like Ethiopian coffees. And and so just like when you're roasting different coffees from different regions, you expect certain flavors to be from those regions and certain bodies to get because Sumatra is known for a lot of body, but it's also known for those earthy types of tones. And so, you know, with that kind of coffee, you don't want to roast it light. Yeah. An Ethiopian coffee is more fragile and it can be roasted light to allow it to show its proper characteristics rather than. And so when you're going to roasting, you know that an Ethiopian coffee, you're going to roast faster than you're going to roast a central south american you just want to roast it a little slower to get those more sugars out on the ethiopians are more forgiving i find as far as like a range of where you can drop them and and still taste good yeah so a a couple of things one thing to reiterate your point and then one thought that i had um the thought that i had is it's a little more complicated than light, medium, dark, or modern, traditional, or however we want to say it. But um, hopefully we should be able to look at the flavor notes or tasting notes on a bag. And one of oneers out there, by the end of listening to all of these shows, especially in season one, you should be able to tell, okay, if it says this and this, that means they probably roasted it lighter. If it says, you know, dark chocolate and uh, marshmallow then, and caramel, then there's a good chance that it's probably darker. So that's one point. The second point, to reiterate, your, to reiterate yours, which I think is a very good point, is different coffees shine at different roast levels. Um, yeah. So... And, you know, I was thinking back as you were talking about that, and I was trying to think if there was any any one given coffee that there were two different, completely different roast levels. I was like, man, they're they're really good at both of these. And at least off the top of my head, I I don't know of any versus them having a predictable um, roast level that that they really shine. Yeah, you know, I find that uh, Kenyan coffees actually can be roasted darker and actually still preserve some of its like lifeness that you get it when you when you roast it lighter. Um, and so I find with Kenyans, you could still push it a little bit and get some more of those rounder notes with the Kenyan coffees. And so that was the, one of the only exceptions that I because like if you take a Ethiopian wash dark. Mm-hmm. You're, I mean, there's just, it's pointless. You're not buying the coffee for what it's supposed to do. Right. Uh, well, well, and I think, um, I agree with you on the Kenyan. So, uh, I usually feel like most people, um, uh, roast Kenyans too light. Um, the Kenyans that I have had, um, from Onyx over the years, I feel like were, where they should be and and the difference is i can tell they're just roasted to um we'll say technically a little darker of an agtron level um not dark not even medium but it to me it kind of uh softens a little bit of that fruit bomb or acidity um and brings a little bit of body into it which i think overall lends to the complexity um so anyway that's my thoughts on that 
Um, let me ask you one final question and get your sage advice on, and uh, then I'll let you go. Um, let's talk about roast dates versus Best Buy dates, and what in the world can people, like it's, it's a confusing world out there. Yeah, and so um, interestingly, I know that you uh, compete, and I know you're you're around competitors. And if you asked the person that won the U.S. Brewers Cup this year, Alika, one of my friends, yeah, his coffee was a month, two months old. Yeah, which so here's the thing: is I feel like before people really came out with let's put a roast date on this as opposed to a Best Buy date. Um, when it switched to that being a concept, I think the pendulum swung a little too far in that people want to see a coffee that was, we'll say, roasted yesterday. But um, I'd be curious to see what your thoughts are. But my thoughts are, um, and I fully believe uh, that, Day one after a roast, or even day three after a roast, is not the best that that coffee can shine. Yeah, typically I always found, and this is very generalized, but three to six days for a natural yeah. to really open up. Um, and then typically three to five days for a wash to open up. The The wash will open up a little quicker than the natural will. The naturals, for some reason, we've always noticed when we're at Onyx, that it would just take a, a little bit longer for it to actually level out because the the problem with roasting coffee and drinking it too quickly uh, is this, it, it provides like a muddiness to the cup that you really can't figure out what the real tastes are because they're so muddled within it. Mm -hmm. And so you want to give it time in order to degas and rest. And so I've seen within competitions, people using coffee is as much as two two months old. Uh, I've always recommended that if you can finish the coffee within 10 to 14 days, mm -hmm. it's typically only by enough to, to basically two weeks right. of coffee. So that way you're not actually doing it. But the thing is, again, from what our competitors are showing us is these coffees that we have thought about that after 14 days are so degraded that we don't want to cup it we finally are starting to realize those coffees are still good week after week after week. And they actually can, they keep a lot of the original characteristics of the coffee. You just have to brew it a little bit differently to bring out those nuances mm -hmm. that you're getting. Well, and it's a very, very, very important point that I don't want the one one ers out there to miss is that what kind of what Mark's saying is, if these coffees at two months, quote, old uh, are good enough to compete on a national level amongst coffee geeks as to, you know, this is the best way to for this coffee to shine for this competition and this competitor, then that is by far good enough, you know, for the home uh, consumer and um Ultimately, I think also even I would say in competition, that's always pushing the envelope of what's the best thing that we can offer to our consumer. Yeah. And something uh, interesting to point out, too, we're talking about whole bean coffee, right? Right. That's true. And so we're not we're not talking about ground coffee because ground coffee 
the the evil boogeyman to coffee is is air right Right. and so uh we don't want to grind the coffee until we're about to consume it and so even though it could be two or four months old if it's still in the bag and in fact the the coffee that i'm drinking is about three months old right now yeah and it it just tastes balanced and really 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 good because i just freshly grounded the coffee and put it into the uh, commercial coffee brewer and so it, it's it's definitely something that I think that people don't pay attention to as much. But if you do at, at all age your coffee, make sure it's in whole bean form and not ground. Right. Yep. Totally agree. Um, so, Mark, tell me what you're doing now. So you were with Onyx and now you're currently with San Fran and you're doing some consulting. So tell us a little bit about that. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I'm working with uh, different clients in the SFR family and you don't necessarily have to be in the SFR family, the San Fran family to get my consulting services, but we are but you doing... just send a boogeyman, you know, along, you know, yeah. <laughs> if, if they don't. Yeah. And so that way uh, we're just being to where I can work with people one-on-one. So mostly what I do is go to people's places. I, I, I know you probably have seen all the traveling I've done uh, yeah. through social media. And so I'm constantly somewhere else because I believe that the ultimate thing to teach a person is on their machine at their location because that's the only time that your theory becomes like, where's the practicality of your theory? And it needs to be shown in the way that you roast. And so I'm always been the one of, if you want me to, to consult for you, like videos will do something. Videos would help a little bit here and there, but to actually hone in on the coffee that you have is right. so much more important. Yeah. And you know, even like, um, so roasting with humble coffee down in Mississippi and the humidity and the heat, uh, it's going to be way different, for example, than in the, the Nevada desert or in Pacific Northwest. And yeah, I think all kind all that stuff makes a difference or, you know, even your, whether it's natural gas or propane, you know, all that kind of stuff makes a difference. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. The things that are different within coffees uh, based on other things and, and given your coffee one-on-oneers, it it's a a good thing to like if you look at a bag and you, like we talked about it earlier but you look at the cuppy notes and you like those things uh realize that it's in the family of chocolate if they say chocolate you don't have to like i i find sometimes that people over over communicate cuppy notes yeah. when when they could just give you three little cuppy notes and just stay there and so that that is definitely so going back to also with the training with them is working with them for a couple of days doing sensory and doing dialing in their coffees. And so it's usually a two day thing that I am able to do. Uh, I can be booked for longer, but after two or three days, you've really heard everything I have to say because we're going to be at your roaster and I always make sure that I come there on the time that you're actually having to roast coffee right? because I want to, I want to watch you first yeah. and see like the types of movements you are, because like what I call roasting, I call it the dance yeah. because you, you're, you're really moving, you're, you're moving different ways in order to accommodate opening the shoe, pushing on airflow. 
And so I call it the dance. Like once you figure out your dance and the way that your steps are moved, you'll become very efficient in what you do. Yeah. And so I've always been OCD about the, teaching the people that I have the dance of figuring out like what their motions are going to be for the roaster. Yeah. And those buttons and levers and all that kind of stuff are in different spots on different roasters and different sizes and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So Michelson Consulting, and we will put the link to that in the show notes. And we will also put a link to the San Franciscan Roaster Co. Um, And if you are roasters out there or you have a favorite cafe and they are looking for a really sexy looking roaster to put up front in the cafe itself, um, you can't go any better than um, the San Fran Roaster. Um, So we'll put a link to that as well. Well, Mark, pleasure, pleasure, pleasure to have you on the show today. Yeah, it was it was great. I, I look forward to seeing what is happening in coffee and seeing where coffee takes us. It's it's a really cool world and it's it's a very thriving market. Yep, I agree. Take care, brother. See you. Take care. Bye. Pretty cool dude, huh? Yeah, he seemed like he knew what he was talking about. And he's got red hair to boot, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, and did you like the uh, is it like natural? the wicked? <laughs> yes, it's natural. <laughs> guys, guys don't dye their hair like girls do. Some people do. Like Good Morning America. Well, that's Good Morning America. They aren't oh. real people. True. Yeah. I think there's a little too much work involved involved in there. Yeah. Physical appearance. No. So Mark is like a real person, and no, he does not dye his hair nor his beard, huh. which is a pretty ferocious looking beard, isn't it? Yeah. Like if you saw him like on the sidewalk and then you didn't know he was as nice as he was in you'd that be interview. Scared. You'd be scared. I feel like he would be like he looks like he would be like a like a chef or something on like a famous cooking show. <laughs> he probably would he'd probably like, make a great chef. Beat Mark Michelson. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So Mark, I know you're listening. You need to be it that's that needs to be your backup. Or yeah. when in doubt, you so need like, to be on a chef show. If you decide to stop roasting coffee, just go and start a cooking show. Or maybe you can start a coffee show. Yeah. And then it could be like and we can Michelson's be the commentators. major something. Something that starts with an M that relates to coffee. Yeah, that catches like everybody's attention. Macchiato. No. Something like that. Something like that. And then we can be the commentators. Be like, yeah. ooh, look what he just did there. And we'll be like, mm-mm, that's not going to get through. Nope, no, ma'am. He's, he's lost too many points right there. Uh-uh, no, that dark roast, a little mm, too mm, dark. Yeah. You know, that's actually a really good idea. Like, what if we started, like, you know, they have, like, the Kids Baking Championship and beat Bobby Flay or, like, Guy's Kitchen Tour of yeah. America thing. What if we, like, started a coffee show? Yeah, I'll no, pitch that I, to no. Food Network. Yeah, we should pitch it. to. So, I know, I know, I know that everybody at the Food Network is listening to this right now. So oh, we're, yeah. just, we're just going to go ahead and tell you that um, you should do a Reach out coffee show. At and, and I will, I will tell com. you this, and this is, being, this is being super honest here. Okay. Um, in coffee competitions, uh-huh. the baristas have like this huge, what I call platform, or like there's lots of cameras and, um, you know, they – have all these big presentations and stuff like that 
for for roasting, and yeah. Mark would second this. Um, it is very lackluster, and and um, you know, even if you do have a little bit of a personality, which you can see that Mark has a great personality. Yeah. Um, you know, that's not really as highlighted um, as it is in some of the other fields in yeah. coffee. And so, yes, Food Network or whoever, hit us up. Yeah, just let us know. We'll get some people, find some good roasters out there, have a little TV show. Yeah, we could do it. Yeah. It would be awesome. Like, well, n- that's never been a thing before. Like, I've never seen a show about coffee. And that's like the backbone of America. Amen, sister. I mean, just saying. Just yeah. a little hint, hint. I mean, because they got all the other food stuff. Yeah. So why send not us coffee? an email. Or we could do like, I don't. I mean, there's all kind of ideas. What if there's Y'all like a History Channel documentary about coffee? Because they do stuff all the time about the most random things ever. Are you saying coffee's random? To some people. Like sixty five percent of the nation, it's not random. That's true. Yeah. So. So I mean, reach out. History Channel at History Channel and at <laughs> Food AMA. Network. At what's the other channel? Cooking channel? Yeah, cooking channel. Just hit us up. Yeah. Please. We will hook we'd, you up. We'd appreciate it. All right, we digress. Thanks for listening to the show today. Please follow us if you haven't already. Leave us a review. We would love to read that review and get some feedback. Um, even in the last week, I have seen some reviews and uh, responded to some people, uh, and it's fun because uh, it just kind of broadens the Coffee Curiosity Network. Follow us on social through Humble Coffee at Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. If you want to know more about Mark Michelson and his consulting, click on the link in the show notes below. And if you're looking for great coffee, go to HumbleCoffee.com. Looking for great coffee? Click on the website link in the show notes or go to HumbleCoffee.com. That's it for us today. I'm Kenneth Thomas. And I'm Katie Thomas. And we have very plain last names and we love y'all. That's okay. That is okay. We do love y'all, though. Yep. Our, our names are humble, kind of well, like... Katie yeah. Umble. No, like mm. our names are, you know, oh. they're pretty, like, you know, low-key, approachable. Simple. Oh. They're humble. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> All right. Love you one-on-one or see you next time on Coffee One-on-One. Bye.